Hello, everybody, and welcome to Camel Call Friday. This is exciting. We're going to try this for the first time. It's either going to work great or it's not going to work. It could be the first or the last time or the first of uh, a lot going on. We are en route to uh, Campbell men's basketball game at High Point tonight. This game has already happened by the time you're listening to this. We'll talk more about that later. But with Stan Cole, who is the driver and not too distracted, I'm Chris Haymeyer, and we are talking Campbell Athletics Hall of Fame. We will induct five new members into the Hall of Fame coming up this Saturday before the men's basketball game. And Stan, first, before we get into this, this awesome class that we're inducting, we are both very excited about the fact that after being hit or miss over the last decade, the Hall of Fame is back and it's going to have um, not only some permanence, but it's going to be an annual event. Right, Chris. I mean, the probably biggest issue, two issues that we have faced um, since the Hall of Fame first was started in 1984 is when to have it and where to hold the ceremony. And now with the incredible Oscar Harris Student Union and ballrooms capability of hosting up to 500 or more people, um, we have found a home and we believe we found an anchor for it as uh, the anchor of all of our special um, events in the winter season. And so um, that's the most exciting thing about this class. Certainly. Um, We've got some amazing individuals, but the fact that we're finding a home and, and someplace that we can now grow this event to be one of the truly um, days on the, on the academic and athletic calendar that our fans and our alumni circle every year is just really exciting to me. I think another exciting part about it, Stan, you know, a, a not so great part is the fact since it's been very inconsistent and COVID was a part of it, but other reasons were a part of it is, is we have a backlog of some very good Campbell athletes that have been deserving to go to the Hall of Fame for some years, but also we are now 10 years into what I call this golden era of Campbell athletics back in the Big South winning all these championships. So we'll be inducting two in the near future, not only uh, those that deserve to get in from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and beyond, but we'll also have some names for maybe those that weren't too familiar with Campbell athletics before the previous decade. They'll recognize some of those names as well. Well, certainly the, the A-Sun era has started to be recognized. Um, you know, the Campbell left the Big South in 1994 to join the Atlantic Sun Conference and names like Donnell Hicks in softball and uh, Tony Sikla in men's soccer and, and uh, some others like that, Kylie Pratt, Brad Fritch in, in golf, uh, who really um, helped Campbell elevate to national status in, in, in many ways uh, during Campbell's 17 years in the A-Sun. They've been recognized and we've got a big backlog there and then of course with all the titles all the NCAA appearances all the recognition and and professional baseball players and professional golfers and others and basketball players uh, here since uh, Campbell returned to the Big South in 2011 we do have an exciting um, uh, future going on with uh, with who's going to come in and who's going to be invited and who's going to participate and you know times for us to get back together and celebrate uh, what is a very very rich uh, history in Campbell Athletics. 
Um, five go into the to the Campbell Hall of Fame coming up this Saturday. A, a, a great class, and if you could kind of go through and, and tell us a little bit about, about each of the honorees. Well, sure. Um, one of the most unique stories in Campbell Athletics history is that of Jerry Hartman. Uh, Jerry um, is from the Orlando, uh, went to high school in the Orlando Winter Park, Florida um, uh, area, um, and ended up going to UCF for a year to wrestle, um, was looking for a smaller campus, a Christian-based um, campus to, to compete, knew that he wanted that, and um, decided on Campbell. Um, and uh, he has been a fixture uh, in Campbell wrestling and in the community every, ever since. Jerry got here as a sophomore, wrestled for two seasons, sustained an injury, a knee injury, and then right before his senior season, P.J. Smith, who was the head coach there at that time, uh, left to take the job at what's now UNC Pembroke uh, and became an NAI and Division II wrestling power you know, down there. Well, the, uh, Jerry had, had been involved in high school, running practices, was a student of the game, uh, outstanding wrestler himself, and as a if you can believe it or not, as a college undergraduate senior, was named head wrestling coach. <laughs> I, I still don't believe that. For those of you that have driven off the road right now, a senior in high school, this one back in the 30s, this was, the, the, this was back a couple decades ago, is the wrestling coach. Right, and the funny thing that I've learned through my conversations with Jerry too is that a similar situation occurred his senior year of high school. The wrestling coach left, they were going to drop the seat, abandon the season, uh, but they got together and Jerry ended up running practices and they had a, a, a teacher there that would agree to drive the van or the bus. <laughs> and so Jerry did this, you know, this was not unprecedented for him. Wow. Um, he talks about that time. This would have been the 81-82 season. He was in a, it was a unique situation. There were a lot of veterans on the team. Uh, they all kind of worked together anyways. Wrestlers push and, and prod each other daily um, in practice and in training, and they, they learned to help everybody get better. And uh, Jerry was a, a you know kind of a non-traditional student. He and Becky, his wife, had already been married. Uh, he was starting to work on the side as well, full-time, plus be a full-time student, wow. plus coach a Division One program. It's it's just pretty. It's hard to wrap yeah. your wrap your mind around how this happened. You want to talk about somebody that uh, organized his day well? Oh my gosh! Wow. He he says he got up and, and would study from six to eight in the morning, uh, then go to class, then go to practice. Uh, sometimes have to do some work, and then um, and then make recruiting call recruiting calls at night. <laughs> Um, that you, we want to. He said that he and Becky didn't have a lot of time to spend together, but she was right there with him, helping him with administrative um, it, uh, needs and, and things as well. So they kind of worked together in in their young marriage uh, in several different ways and grew this program. And he really was the glue from which our amazingly incredible yeah. wrestling alumni base um, holds that together. Yeah. Just incredible. Alongside Jerry, you know, Jerry graduated in 82, and then he coached the team for uh, seven seasons after that, eight seasons through 88. Uh, alongside uh, Jerry is one of the 
uh, I guess you'd have to say definitely a, a Mount Rushmore among Campbell women's basketball yep. players is April Cromartie. Um, she won uh, during her career. She was uh, MVP of the Atlantic Sun Tournament, uh, helped Campbell earn its first ever NCAA women's basketball appearance in 2000. The following year, uh, Campbell won the A-Sun regular season tournament. Um, a remarkable post player, um, incredible uh, athlete, an individual, really kind of a quiet spoken person uh, in public, but her impact on the team was enormous. Um, when uh, Campbell left the Big South, uh, for women's basketball, it really had just been a two-horse race between Campbell and Radford those first uh, seven, eight years um, that the, the Big South was formed. Uh, they jump into competition with schools like Georgia State and UCF and others that had uh, a very outstanding uh, women's basketball programs. So FIU was a perennial top 25 women's yeah. team at that time. And to make that leap competitively and in the sixth year of membership to win the whole shooting match. And then uh, for there's plenty of people around that still remember uh, Campbell going to Cameron Indoor Stadium for the first round of the NCAA tournament, facing a top 10 ranked Duke team. And um, half of Cameron Indoor was painted orange that night. And it was a remarkable moment. And certainly April uh, played a huge role in uh, elevating that team and its presence under, uh, and she played for a Hall of Famer and herself and, and Coach Wanda Watkins there. April came to us from uh, Sampson County Union High School, uh, a relatively local product, a little bit overlooked perhaps um, because she did play it at such a small school in, um, in high school, but her impact was massive um, when she was at Campbell. Then she went on to play professional women's basketball in Europe and uh, then uh, joined uh, the military uh, in the Army and was an all-armed forces basketball player. Yeah, it's um, incredible because each of, the, each of the different units, you know, Army, Air Force, Marines, and, and, and everything like that, they have their own basketball team and basketball league. So you can imagine she was picked out of a pretty darn large pool and she succeeded. I mean, her, her Army basketball career is almost as impressive as her college basketball. Oh, absolutely. She played, uh, you know, against athletes from all over the country, all different backgrounds, um, and succeeded, won medals uh, for the, her Army team and was named All Armed Forces, um, which was a, a remarkable achievement for her. And, it's, and, you know, and if you think about it too as well, the WNBA, you know, 20 years ago was not what the WNBA is, is now, and the opportunities for professional um, pursuits for a women's basketball player at the times were not as great or as widespread as they are now. But April followed her dream over to Germany and then uh, came back and played in the States and she still is serving her country now stationed in Washington State uh, in the Army. If we go on from April, we'll, we'll, um, let's talk about John Payne. John Payne graduated in 1981. Um, he was an exchange student um, from Ireland, went to high school at Vance Academy in Henderson, and followed another Vance Academy product, David Doyle, who is in our Hall of Fame, um, and another Dublin, Ireland native uh, into uh, 
the upper echelon of all-time greats in uh, Campbell men's soccer history. John um, arrived at Campbell in the fall of 1987 and became the first ever four-time All-Big South Conference men's soccer player. First one ever to uh, earn that award four times. I mean, and, and still to this day, that it that is an incredible feat. It is. He was a, a central midfielder, um, and, it, and in a time where uh, his teammate Juha Mietinen was recognized as an All-American when Juha ranked among the nation's top five in scoring, um, and Juha was a phenomenal player and an outstanding person, another Campbell Sports Hall of Famer as well. It was always held that John Payne was the most valuable player on that team. Barry Howard, who passed away in 2008, um, recruited John as an assistant coach, later coached him as head coach for his last two years. He said that John Payne was the best player he ever coached, the most complete player. He said that wherever Shawnee needed to be, wherever you needed him on the field, he was there. He was a box-to-box -box midfielder. He could score, he could defend, he could orchestrate, um, he could organize his, his players where they needed to be. And he was a phenomenal player to watch, calm um, and uh, without being uh, passive, uh, emotional, without being reckless. Uh, just an, a phenomenal player to see. And in the days before live streaming, in the days before, uh, you know, as much videotape as we have now, um, and he was it was really a treat to watch him play. Uh, his sophomore year, Campbell did something that the Camels have not done since they beat two top ten ranked teams. Um, they beat number three, North Carolina, and number ten, Duke, in the same season. And um, were it not for a crazy upset in the Big South semifinals, uh, probably would have gone down as one of the you know the the most legendary teams in the in the Campbell men's soccer history. Uh, Shawnee went on to play uh, for the Wilmington Hammerheads in the USISL, now USL, played in the US Open Cup against a MLS team, the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars, um, uh, all the while uh, pursuing his uh, a full-time job as a, an accountant. He's lived in Wilmington uh, for 25 years now. Uh, he and his wife have five kids. He's a granddad. Uh, he's just an unbelievably humble, kind, wonderful person who happens to be one of the best soccer players that ever walked uh, through uh, Campbell. He was inducted into the Big South Hall of Fame last yep. March, and uh, this is one um, person that uh, we are so excited about him being able to be inducted. You won't meet a nicer or a more humble individual than John Payne, and you put that on, on top of the fact that just how daggum good he was yeah. at what he did, it makes it all even the more special. Two more going in um, from the from the A-Sun era. And uh, Chris, this is something that's kind of, uh, that's important to me and I think is significant. This is a year where we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Yeah. And three of our five Hall of Famers are outstanding female athletes. Um, these next two we'll talk about. We'll talk about Heather Lee McGill first. Heather uh, came from uh, Alberta, Canada, Calgary, and um, had been a, 
a standout junior soccer player who ended up uh, turning, focusing her attention on distance running. And she came to Campbell and won multiple medals, multiple NCAA tournament, or NCAA uh, regional and, and national appearances in cross country and in track and field. She was the best distance runner in, in the Atlantic Sun Conference. Um, and she represented Canada in, in uh, cross country championships as well, international competition. She was just phenomenal um, to see and um, really was one of those individuals that kind of helped lift Campbell back into national consideration uh, as far as uh, track and field is concerned. A lot of people forget Orville Peterson, who is a, a 1984 Olympic, um, uh, Olympic trials decathlete, was an All-American uh, uh, decathlete for the Camels back in the early 80s. He's in our Hall of Fame, of course, but you know, we kind of had a, a little bit of a lull there in, in uh, national uh, representation. And Heather was the one that really broke the door open on the women's side, especially, um, to comp go on to compete. The, the school records were littered with her name uh, in uh, the 5,000, 3,000, 10,000 meters, cross-country championships. She was a machine and still competes to this day. Um, Heather, after she graduated, worked with our, um, worked on our staff and was uh, worked in the compliance area and um, continued to run. Uh, she's since gotten married to uh, Randy McGill, who was a member of our business office uh, staff and in, in charge of uh, business operations for the athletics um, department. Uh, they're now, uh, Randy is an associate AD up at Western Kentucky. They live in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and they've got two small children. But Heather just competed in the Chicago Marathon. Wow. Uh, just an outstanding middle-distance runner and long-distance runner um, from Canada who found her way to uh, Bowie's Creek uh, right around the uh, turn, of the uh, turn of this century, uh, graduated in 2004. And then certainly, last but certainly not least, is Brittany Stanley. Uh, now Brittany Stanley Lee. Uh, Brittany was an incredible softball pitcher who was our number one from the time she walked onto campus till the time she graduated. Uh, led Campbell to back-to-back -back Atlantic Sun championships in 2008-2009, A-Sun Tournament MVP, A-Sun Pitcher of the Year. Uh, was on those teams that really, again, helped elevate Campbell into the national consideration um, and, and softball. The, she was the, the alpha pitcher uh, always, incredible competitor, uh, and set every meaningful school record there, there could be. Um, when Campbell won the A-Sun tournament in 08 and 09, she pitched every inning. It's remarkable to think about that. You pitch all four games to win a, to win a conference tournament championship and then led, to, uh, led Campbell to back-to-back -back NCAA regional appearances. She too stayed on, uh, became our pitching coach for several years before moving on into, uh, into the business world. Um, Heather and her husband, Eric, 
who was also a volunteer assistant on the softball team after graduation. Uh, Eric's now the head coach at Lewisburg Junior College. Uh, they have two young daughters, and um, and and Brittany now is uh, working to keep uh, to get their eldest into a little bit of softball, and she's also as a CPA up in the Raleigh Garner area. So um, just a, another tremendous uh, represent representative of what we've done uh, at at Campbell, and not only was she the best on our team, but they're the best in the conference, but was one of the best in the region and truly in the, in yeah. the country as well. Uh, incredible. Stan Cole, number one, if you're, if you're uh, listening to us halfway through, we're, we're doing this while Stan is uh, driving through rain to go to the Campbell High Point men's basketball games. We're taping this on Wednesday. He did that all from memory, which is why he's the best and which why if you haven't heard um, his podcast yet, please do. If you're listening to us now, uh, you can go back and find some Tales from the Creek. We've taken a little bit of time off because of the holidays, because of getting ready for the Hall of Fame, but uh, more Tales from the Creek to come. Thank you so much, Stan. Always a pleasure, Chris. I always love um, strolling down memory lane. Uh, we'll be back after the break. Evan and I will talk about a big week in Campbell Sports. Stay tuned. Campbell Call Friday rolls on. Welcome back to Camel Call Friday with Evan Budrovich. I'm Chris Tamar. So great to talk to Stan Cole about the Hall of Fame, which is really going to become an annual event. Now, that will be a lot of fun, and that will be those five will be honored as well um, at halftime of the UNC Asheville men's basketball game. That is at 2 o'clock on Saturday. It's going to be a busy day in Gore at 1 o'clock. Well, technically – because of how busy it is, the That's John true. W. It's Pope the Jr. entire Pope. Center. Yes, at the same time, basically, it starts at one. But uh, our wrestling team is doing two conference duels in McCall, which is the practice gym. And if you're not familiar with that, you get to that from the parking lot, which is where you usually park in for Gore Arena. So there'll be two events going on at the same time. Wrestling is ticketed this year. GoCamels.com will have the information for you. So wrestling and men's basketball at home this Saturday. It's kind of a first-come, first-serve for wrestling, too. There's only, what, 50 tickets? Yes, yes, left, because some have already been spoken for for team members and, and season ticket holders and every and everything like that. So that's a good thing. This is the first year wrestling has uh, been ticketed, and, and rightfully so. Again, they're a legit top 40 team, and they – and they are rolling like they usually do. And then the men on Sunday, because Drew Pember just dropped 48 points yep. in his last game on, on Wednesday night, he's kind of the Chris Clemens of the league this year. Could be an All-American. We, we've known him for years as a shot blocker, but yeah. now he's scoring at such a high rate. And, I mean, shoot, you were in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. We should have won that game. So it, clearly they could win it here at home. Th there's no doubt. I mean, you, you, you probably shouldn't uh, have to have reasons to come and watch this Campbell men's basketball team that, by the way, have won two straight back-to-back -back games Chris, on the road. it's called a winning streak. They're, it they're has back -back happened before. They're back-to-back games, they're back -back games it, on the road. It's, uh, it's good. They have suddenly vaulted up into the top half um, of the conference. We are halfway through the conference season of both the men's and women's time. And UNC Asheville – Tied for first in the conference, and as you mentioned, they have the preseason player year, the best player in this league. His name's Drew Pember. He's 6'10". He started his freshman year, not started, but his college career began at Tennessee. So a big challenge for Campbell, which 
No exaggeration from Evan. Uh, Campbell really blew the doors off of UNC Asheville in the first half when they played um, up in Asheville uh, just about a month ago. Yeah, so they were, they were up 20 points in the yeah. second half early. I mean, that I know it was a rough ending right. with some free throws and Pember got fouled a bunch, but even had a lead with a minute yep. left. Could yep. clearly win that game. Through all these injuries and again, starter Jesus Carolero is still on the, on the shelf for a couple more weeks. Campbell has gotten through one half of the conference season four and five and again in play for pretty much everything this is where things get interested you play every team again in the big south and you're only one game out of fourth yeah because right now Asheville and Longwood they yep. have established themselves as really good Radford's had a nice record at six and two but I don't know if Radford's at that tier we'll see this week when they play Longwood so we'll get a sense of that but then four through 11 is a mess like anyone can beat anyone We've seen with Campbell, they go to high point and play really well with Ricky Clemens and double figures. You lose at home. You go on the road and beat Charleston Southern. You lose to Presbyterian. So you flip those matchups now. Can we win at, you know, we play at Presbyterian. Can we beat them here? Can we go to Longwood and play well? So a lot of those road games are a little tougher. And then you get to play some teams at home like Asheville, who we, we struggled down the stretch late. You get some of the better teams at home. You know, now we got to go to Winthrop in the second half. So, the road schedule gets tough, but then there's no guarantee wins at home either. Um, yeah, and if you do look at the schedule, and and you're right, this year there's not a bad team in the Big South Conference. There's not that many great teams, but there's there's no bad team. So, so if you look at it, really after this Asheville game, the four remaining games you have at home are games that are very, very winnable. The games on the road are going to be tough. They're going to be uh, against the top four teams in the conference, but again, life on the road is always tough. So Men's basketball has, has, has righted the ship here um, and, and played through these injuries, and, and as they get healthy and as they put some things together, th their defense is pretty good as well when everybody is healthy. I mean, High Point was the highest-scoring team in the entire conference, and they, and they shut them down, held them um, to well below their average. Well, these next three games, like you just mentioned, will tell us a lot about this team. Asheville and Longwood are sandwiched in between Upstate who we played very well at Upstate, and that was maybe our best road yep. win so far. So you kind of repeat that schedule. You get two at home, one on the road. Not that you have to win all three, but clearly they've shown, hey, they've competed with Asheville, and they should have won that game there. Against Longwood, that was right before New Year's, and there were injuries, and we just didn't come out and play well. But you get a chance to – Longwood's won at home, I think, yep. 15 or 16. It's almost two straight years of home wins in Farmville, my second favorite Big South city behind yep. Bowie's Creek. <laughs> And then Upstate, <laughs> who we played so well at their place, they'll be motivated to, to play here, so you never know. But you're not big on Farmville? Are we not on the no, same no, page No, no, I, I, I really like it. And people are thinking, wait, that sounds like a town that's, that's very, very small. It's, it's not. There's two colleges in the town, and it's got a, it's got a real uh, small college town feel. And speaking of the road, the, the fact that Campbell went through the first half of the conference season, 3-1 and one on the road and winning three straight games on the road, I don't care what conference you're in, who you're playing. Um, I think that's a, a big thing, and, and Coach Kevin McGeehan said it last night. Y you got to be tough to win on the road in conference, and they, and they have certainly done that. And, again, it's all about the conference tournament. It's a one-bid league. You win the conference tournament. You go to the NCAA tournament. And if you finish in the top six, again, you don't want to shoot for six, but if you finish in the top six, you end up with a first round bye, and that is, you know, exponentially uh, improves your chances of, of going all the way. I hate to say it, but the last time a team 
that had reached the tournament at that low of a seed was Liberty. And this was early yeah. in your tenure when they were, right. what, I think, the 10 seed, and then they upset they had a losing record in the tournament yeah. to get to the NCAAs. It's, you cannot win four games in five days. Yeah, and I, also, I don't care how good you are. It's, it's such a tough task. Well, and, and in the past decade, too, only, only two number one seeds has won the Big South Conference tournament, and they were both Winthrop and, unfortunately, both against Campbell. Well, good women's news. women's good, basketball. Good news. Winthrop's not the one seed this year yeah, in men's basketball. Yeah. Well, women's basketball, um, as well as they, you know, we talked a lot about men's injuries, and they have had quote unquote more. But women's basketball is about their their best scorer, their leader, their best player, senior Shai Tooley, um, and they are in the top third of the conference, third right now, having played through all that as well. Just incredible, one half of the way through their conference season as well. So on Wednesday night, obviously the men went to High Point. The women hosted High Point. Yeah. Those two women's programs are right there neck and neck for second, third. We'll kind of see how it plays out. Campbell missed nine free throws last night and lost the game by eight. They held High Point to score 75 a game to 57 points. So clearly things are going well on the defensive side. Offensively, and you noted the Thule injury, and she – will most likely be out the rest of the season unless some magic happens and I get the voodoo dolls right yeah. and I, you know, the contortionist stuff and it all plays contortionist out. Contortionist stuff. <laughs> well, you feel like, I, you feel like the body, uh, right? Okay, kinda... okay. All right, the, with the voodoo doll, you're, you're seeking. Okay, no, no, I just, whatever it takes, if you could get her to play, Point let's, being, let's do it. it's highly doubtful. Okay. So this team, as constructed, <laughs> will have to find ways to score without Thule. We've seen a zoom in double figures almost every night. But now it's about secondary scoring. Brittany Staves, a great role player. She's now become a leader and a captain and a scorer. We're still struggling to hit three-pointers right now. We're around 35 34%. And when you're holding teams to 57 points in your worst, that was the most points we gave up the entire conference in the last month, 57. So clearly they're still playing great defense. Of course, the three-pointers are tough, and then you give up a bunch of turnovers, and Ronnie's talked about that for weeks. The team's getting better. Don't get discouraged by one loss to High Point because coming up, it's road heavy for the women at Asheville, at Upstate. Upstate's a good team. That's going to be tough. Then you play Longwood and High Point. So you could win three of those next four pretty easily and then play Gardner-Webb on Valentine's Day weekend. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the, the women, with all the injuries they have been through too, and again, you know, m- much like the men with the with their best player and, and one of their best scorers being out, they are they are doing more than just uh, holding their head above water. It's a big Saturday on the road as well. Swimming has their final uh, meet of the conference season. So would they that be, be the be final CCSA meet? Yes, they will be at Old Dominion, and then um, it's, a, it's a handful of weeks before the conference tournament. We told you about wrestling and men's basketball, both in the Pope Center, <laughs> both at the same time, women's tennis is at UNC Greensboro. The women are at UNC Asheville. And then on Sunday and wrestling, it's just a different breed. Wrestling yeah. after after wrestling two uh, duels here at home. They're going to be at VMI in Lexington, Virginia, which is not a short trip at two uh, to continue their conference. And then starting their spring season, as they play a lot in the fall, our men's golf team will be at the Sea Best Invitational in Florida. And... Um, Maybe for those that are new to the show, not realizing golf has been a consistent winner here with a consistent coach, the Hall of Famer, John Crooks, head coach for both the men's and women's team. He has been an unbelievable winner. It 
you don't think it's right when you read it, so you go and check. But but the men's golf team, four straight NCAA regional bids, including a couple of at-large bids. They are at-large selections to the NCAA Which in golf, tournament. It's only sixty teams, and it's it, it's. I mean, that is that is so tough because you think our our baseball has gotten some um, at-large bids. Soccer has been on the cusp. It is it is hard to do from the Big South Conference. Women's golf explodes your head even more as they will be starting in the next couple of weeks. Eight straight <laughs> NCAA regional bids and six straight Big South Conference titles. And John Crooks this past wow. fall now has the second most wins as a women's head coach. That's tournament. That's yep. conference championships ever of any coach. In the entire women's golf sport, Division One history, it's, you know, John Crooks at number two and the man at number three just retired. So John will continue to build yep. his – pad his stats, as the kids say. But, yeah, that men's, that men's schedule is pretty neat. TPC Sawgrass, Johns Island, South Carolina, Statesboro, Georgia. Okay, maybe not the most tourist <laughs> attraction place. Then Wilmington and then Lonnie Poole in Raleigh. So – I give Coach Matt Moot and John Crooks credit. They've built a, a fun schedule, a lot of neat places to go. Yeah, and, and Coach Moot back on the staff as uh, as he is an alum as too, and that's what Coach Crooks has done a great job of uh, of bringing back Campbell alums to coach, and they are here a couple of years, and they usually get head coaching gigs at somewhere um, really, really great. So it'll be fun again to watch um, golf do what they do across the nation. And, and they don't just pick these tournaments. You get invited to these tournaments because you are an NCAA participant and, and you have done so well year after year after year. So they basically have their pick of, of, of where they want to go, which leads me into how is your golf game, Evan Budrovich? So the last time I played golf was with Davis Dupree, our baseball sports information director. He sure. works a bunch of other sports, but sure. this time of the year he's, he's over golfer. Jim Perry Stadium. He's a lefty and I'm a righty, so it's okay. kind of fun. We played the Keith Hills White course. Okay. It was super windy that afternoon, and you've played that course. Yeah, There's a lot of trees tough. and nature. We didn't shoot our best round, mm -hmm. but, boy, did we have fun. That's good. That's good. That's a good thing. So you got caught up on uh, Evan's golf game as well. All right, Evan, that's the alarm. That's that the means, buzzer. That's said, the alarm. Wrap that means it up. we have to stop. Uh, did you thank, talk to golf thank with Stan you so much. All? Uh, we didn't talk any golf yet. It was all, it, it was incredible. If you're just, if you're a fan of Evan Budrovich and you just skip to the last segment of these shows to listen to Evan Budrovich, you have got to go back to the beginning of this because Stan, we were worried. I, I swear this is a true story. Stan was worried when we started because we, we taped this in the car yesterday on our way going up to the high point game. And he was like, Hey, you know, I, I don't have a lot of my notes with me. So, so some of these things, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of talk in generalities. And, man, he gives you the complete career Campbell bio of each of these five persons without a note in front of his it, – it, it, is, it is incredible just for the fact that when you're listening to it, Stan has no notes in front of him, and he's trying to drive. It's, it's awesome. Not I, as can, awesome I can't as wait to see ever. April Cromartie, though. Yeah. One of the best ever in women's basketball. Yep, it's going to be great. Big weekend. Thanks for tuning in. For Evan, I'm Chris, and the encyclopedia Stan Cole. This has been Campbell Call Friday. We'll talk to you next week.